As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. Thanks again to the Norden Group. It's uh, uh, good to be good to be back home to record this week. Um, the recording in the van experiment it didn't it didn't fail, but I don't think it's something I'll be rushing to do again. I think the audio quality was lacking. Like you noticed, I think in the first when I listened back, the first couple of minutes it was kind of distracting to hear the car noise, and I hope people tuned it out after that. But yeah, it was a little hard to concentrate on what I was saying and everything. We so. probably shouldn't endorse that. I'm sure, like, if anybody in front of Highway Patrol was listening to this, they'd be like, "Come on, guys, you don't, you don't podcast." I, I think you could argue it, it was safer though, maybe than just, yeah, than like, having sleeping. me get drowsy, you know. So it must have been, but um, yeah, fun race weekend. Uh, tons of neighborhood folks were down there. It was a good time. Um, uh, I enjoyed it. First, I cut back in a couple years for me, but. It felt great. It was fun. It was just, it was so nice to feel a little bit of spring and, and the weather was kind of better than we expected. And it felt good to ride in, in 3d when you're used to riding in the trainer. Uh, oh my gosh. 3d Zwift. When's VR Zwift going to be a thing? I don't know, but the, have you tried the Zwift where you can actually steer? I have. That's so fun. That's really cool. I don't, I'm not a computer guy. I don't know how hard these things are to code and if they're unreasonable to ask for. But, like, I do think the more realistic Zwift gets the better for those of us who live somewhere where we really can't be riding outside year-round and, and stuff like that. Like, I applaud all of the advancements with Zwift. Like, that's that's a cool product. That might be the most underappreciated product in cycling right now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome. But those who didn't make it to St. George, St. George is just... It's a too- life a lifesaver right now because this winter has been so harsh up north and it just doesn't seem to have an end in sight you know there's like snow forecast this entire week and it's it's unseasonably cold and there's just snow so much snow on the ground that i think everyone's probably going to have to plan more trips to st george than you normally would so this bit was brought to you by the st george office of tourism i don't even know if st george would need one of those it's a pretty easy sell. Yeah. You know, no, I love going down there. I really think I'll probably have to live down there part time. Like when I, when I, when I get all grown up and, and, you know, um, yeah, great weekend. Glad everyone was able to make it down. The next I cup is March 25th. That's I think. Yeah. Also in St. George, uh, Santa Clara area. If you're familiar, Cove wash is basically, yeah, they did it for the first time there last year. It was really fun. A little yeah. more, a little more techie, but not too bad. Not too bad. Um, uh, any other? We've oh, we have a uh, we have a Maybird writer out in Puerto Rico this uh, this weekend, right? Oh yeah, you yeah. Got Jamerson out there. Salinas. 
uh, everybody go go and give him uh, you know give him give him some props for traveling out there racing against some pretty top notch competition that shows up there in Puerto Rico. Yeah, but getting some good UCI points from it. Do what you got to do, man. Uh, any any other any other business we need to attend to? You know, um, one thing that that I just want to put out there is is so we've got um, the race in Temecula this weekend. We've already got a few people coming. We have more open spots for girls that want to travel in the van and stay with the team. So um, if if you are wanting to do that, just just hit me up and 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 we can make arrangements. Also. We've got um, Nationals has been announced for July 5th in, let's see, Bear Creek, Pennsylvania, I think. I do believe so, yes. Yeah. And um, obviously, we're going to have to fly there. I'm assuming most people are going to fly with their families that wanted to do that. But if you really want to go and your family can't fly, I am willing to fly with a small group of people. Uh, You know, I've already got at least one writer that's going to fly out with me so if that's something you'd be interested in um reach out i know we're not going to get as big of a crowd to nationals when it's back east as we would when it was closer in colorado um but we'll still have a pretty good group out there it should be a cool cool experience pennsylvania is an interesting choice not the first thing i think of when i think mountain biking destination but I've also never been, so I can't say. Well, and I understand that this race course has been pretty well used in the past. It's been raced on for lots of years. It's pretty rooty. It's it's going to have a lot of roots and, and, and could be potentially, you know, more European type fill with the slick roots and, and potentially muddy conditions from what I've heard. But oh, and That is interesting. I think it's good to do different, like race in different terrain. Yeah, it'll, it'll feel like different terrain than what we're used to, for sure, so... Oh, and one more thing we probably should have mentioned when we were talking about the crappy weather we've had up north is that um, go and do stuff with your team. Like you, we'd like, we usually would like to be riding around now and have Maybird practices starting. Um, Go on hikes and stuff if you can, you know. Yeah, hopefully like as soon as parking lots will dry out, we can start doing some skills clinics. But I really think the groups, you know, if you're a coach and you're listening to this, plan a hike or two or three or a get together meeting or even a party or something. Um, I'm, I'm going to one Monday with the gold girls. Um, you know, you know, it's going to be a, a, a slower start to the season than normal, but I, I think some good steep hikes or some good fun hikes and, and maybe do more, we're going to do more skills clinics this, you know, while we're waiting for trails to dry and so forth. So, and for this is it's as much, if not more for just like social, social than, aspect, yeah. than, I mean like three hikes in the winter aren't going to do you much good training wise, you know, like it's more just, I think a lot like, and I'm speaking for myself here. I think a lot of these kids, if mountain, mountain biking is their sport and you know, they might ski in the winter and do other stuff. But I think a lot of, a lot of your kids might be kind of feeling isolated right now and stuck at home all the time. I think it would be really good to find, you know, like something to do. And, you know, you can still hike. Beautiful. Actually, really a nice time for hiking. Oh, right it's now. great. I, I prefer hiking when there's snow than I do when it's when it's dirt because oh, yeah. it's kind of easier on the knees, a little softer. If you're an old man down. like Dan, it's yeah. it's easier on you. But, um, but yeah, Any, anything else we need to run over? Uh, not that I can think of right now. Okay, because so. I, I have a good quiz for you today. Okay. And it's a little bit of a twist because it's not really a quiz. It's would you rather... Oh, that's easy. And this is, well, this is fun. So I, I can't get it wrong, right? No, I will debate you on these a little bit. A little bit. We won't spend too much time. But you, you love, you're, you're a would you rather lover. Oh. 
Who is, is, who isn't right? Um, no, but I remember you'd always like whenever we drive with you somewhere as kids, you'd, you'd always like you know you love to do the would you rather game. So I figured we would do a bike themed would you rather. Um, and do I have to like defend my answers? I stuff? do. I do. I do want you to uh, to defend your answers, and and I will maybe push back if I think you're you're crazy. But um, we won't we won't spend too much time on these. We have a, we have a few things to talk about here today. I'm just going to keep on talking like this until you're done texting so that, you know, there's no dead air. I was hoping that you would kind of take the hint and... Okay. All right. I wasn't texting. My phone was about to die, so I was just closing a bunch of apps, and I was very much listening to every word you said. I really would love to be able to do a professional podcast someday, but I don't think this will be it. I, you know, you guys love it, though. We, we call it a, you call it rustic, I guess. Is this a rustic podcast? Yes. Fair enough. Okay. Should we hop into Would You Rather? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, question number one. Would you rather, and this will be your only bike, would you rather your only bike be a hardtail with a dropper or a full suspension without a dropper? Ooh. Okay. That's actually a good one. What do you mean actually a good one? Well, okay. I... <laughs> okay. Just skip over that. Come on. Answer the question. I would say a hardtail with a dropper. I would agree with you on this one. If it was my only bike. Now, if I it was do my only bike. On, on, if, if I was a Nike racer and I was only concerned about winning Nike races, I think there's a great argument for a full suspension without a dropper. Um, if you're doing a lot of non-technical but rough riding, full suspension would be great. But I think I'd rather, even for really rough trails, I'd rather have a hardtail with a dropper. Yeah, because I actually, my progression on bikes was I, I was a hardtail guy. I still am. But for a long time. And then I put a dropper on my hardtail. Right. And then I got a full suspension with a dropper. Right. So I've never had a full suspension without a dropper. No, I have. I spent a long time riding a full suspension without a dropper. And I've always said I would rather lose my rear suspension than lose my dropper post. In a heartbeat, yes. In a heartbeat. Do we feel like we should justify that for people listening if that's confusing? No, I... I, I it's pretty, it, our, our, like a dropper post just around, allows you to ride a bike correctly. Without yeah. a dropper post, you kind of have to ride a mountain bike incorrectly. Is, yeah, is just, how I'd it really up. just changes, your, it puts your weight in a much safer, more effective place for descending. Yeah. Um, next question, is dropper related as well? Would you rather give up your dropper post or tubeless? This question Ooh, sucks. This is... This sucks. And, and this is tricky, huh? <clears throat> God, these aren't fun, Joe. You said that you said this would be fun. This is kind of uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's interesting uh, though. Um, the tubeless. I'd rather have tubeless. You'd rather I, so you'd I'd rather have a bike with tubeless dropper to keep tubeless. The, I I unfortunately think that's correct as well. Yeah. yeah. But we're we're, we're actually going to talk about this a little later. But oh, really? Does yeah. this does this dovetail nicely with yours? Okay. Not yeah, a little teeny snippet of it, but yeah. Okay. Um, last question here. Are you familiar with like a continuously variable transmission? A lot of cars have them. It's instead of having like gears and stuff, there's basically a belt that slides up and down. So it's not like your car shifts okay. from one gear yeah, to the next. Yeah, sure. So there are people who are working to develop those for bicycles. So, so keep that in mind. A bike where you wouldn't have like, uh, like you would never be like, oh, I want, I'm, I'm kind of in, I wish I could be in between these two gears. Do you ever have that? No. Where you're like really. one, okay. It's, it's not as much a problem these days, but let's say, would you rather have a bike with that technology, which is coming supposedly, or the, alter, the alternative. Can I interrupt what yes. I do want? I want a bike that has um, an infinitely variable lowest gear. So <laughs> like it keeps going lower and lower as go, you get older and older. That is actually interesting. I I bet, huh? Because there's so many times I'll be like, 
I'll be climbing. It'll just be really, really hard. And I'm like, you go to shift and you can't push the button anymore. Right. And you like, didn't think you were in your easiest gear, but you were. That's kind of that, that, that technology would kind of be a lead into that though. Do you know what that's called? It's called a two by, which they just got rid of and they're going to reintroduce They're going to reintroduce the two by. Well, they've got, they've got classified. Have you, have you read about classified? No, it's, it's the hub that it's like the hub shifts. So instead of having a front derailleur, your hub gives you like, um, you basically makes it like your gear is 70% easy or there's like a, I'm not good at math or gear ratios, but this is interesting. I'll do it. 70% is a lot. No, 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 no. It's, it's like, it's like, that's the ratio or something. Um, I yeah. don't know, 0.7 to one, I think is how it works. But anyway, that or, and this is actually a technology that's closer. There is a company that's figured out how to adjust your uh, tire pressure on the go. It's a hub-based technology where you can adjust your tire pressure on the go. Honestly, neither of those interest me at all. Really? Yeah, not at all. Like, Really? Neither of those get you excited? Not even, I, yeah, I just think it sounds lame. Like kind of gimmicky? Yeah. Interesting. So like, would you, cause I feel like there might be some times when you're like, Hey, I want to ride over like from, from our place to For the whatever sh- weight, like having a compressor on your bike would add. It's not a, comp- it's basically like a CO2 cartridge. Oh, it fills up the, it's like a reservoir. It fills up and then Correct. puts it back in. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. That just sounds like, no, hmm. no. Neither of those really, really light your fire. Not at all. Sounds pretty lame. Gosh. Okay. That third question wasn't as fun then, huh? None of those were fun. <laughs> Well, they're interesting though. They were kind of torturous, really. But a little bit. I should have made it like a funner one. I did think like the classic one. But the funny thing is, is like two of the three things you ask questions about, we are going to talk a little bit about later. So Okay. Well, because I was going to ask, would you rather have uh, carbon me- carbon wheels or power meter? But I think we've already discussed that. Yeah, I'm a power meter guy. <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd go carbon wheels, or you'd go power meter over carbon wheels? Yeah. Well... <clears throat> Because I mean, a power meter you can get down to like four or five hundred bucks now, and carbon wheels are like yeah, a couple true. grand. So these questions are hard. these questions are hard to come. I need people to submit more questions. That's what I need. Those are pretty good, though. Were those okay? Yeah, like B B minus. No, that was good. That was entertaining. Okay, but a little uncomfortable. A little uncomfortable, right? But you, this is funny because you remember a time there was a time when we rode bikes without rear suspension, without dropper posts, without tubeless tires, uh, and we still had fun somehow. I don't know how we had fun, but we... Do you know what? I used to have fun on a rigid 26-inch chromoly mountain bike, and it was insanely fun. It was insanely fun. Isn't it funny that, like, that like you could... Going up and down the old Corner Canyon Road, that main Corner Canyon Road, like the Skyline Time Trial Road or whatever, yep. that was a blast back then. Like, we thought that was so much fun. You didn't know what you were missing, though, I guess, huh? Well, no, we didn't, but we still had fun, and we we're super happy. So. Gosh, like 50 years from now, we'll be doing the Maybird Cycling Podcast. Would you rather lose the ability to teleport, or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. Like, teleporting will be against the UCI rules. They'll be like, 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 like he's, like, tested positive for teleportation or something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I have never teleported. <laughs> I accidentally teleported. Okay, UCI. Um, okay, that bit's over. Um, this is kind of an interesting uh, little little episode. I kind of like. I we we started with like. Is it like? Is this like things we wish we'd known, or just like here's some how to be a beginner cyclist? Like how would you how would you sum up today's topic? Okay, well, so today's topic we're going to split it up into two parts. And first, let me explain. I have two. I had been working on like two or three different topics all week 
kind of bouncing back and forth between. And the first one was we've had a couple questions in regards to like caffeine. And, and I've been kind of working on one that's just about like um, supplementation and mm-hmm. and water and, and caffeine. So I'm, I'm going to do that one later. It's coming. It's coming. For those, the multiple people who have asked me. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's coming. Question. We, we because just want I've, to do it justice. Well, and I'm kind of learning some really cool things about it that I, I kind of want to spend a little more time. Um, and then, but this whole week I was, I was really wanting to talk about um, energy balance because I think that's really, really crucial, especially for a lot of our real top writers. Um, but I want to, I want to spend a little more time on that too. Um, Dan does. It's funny. You, you, you may or may not realize it. Dan actually puts a hilarious amount of time into researching these episodes. And I kind of just like show up and, and talk, which is the only thing I'm really good at. Um, but yeah, these, these are well-researched and they are coming if you're really yeah. eager. But so, but just kind of actually yesterday when I was on the trainer for quite a while yesterday, I actually decided to do something different today. Um, uh, so the, the two things we want to do, the second part of it, I want to, we, you know, we had the meeting with Dr. Ross on Monday. Always excellent. Really interesting. Yeah, really, really good. I just kind of wanted to go like, just look at, talk about my notes from that. And Joe and I can discuss them. I thought that would be interesting. Um, and then, but then the first part I wanted to do, I thought it'd be kind of fun. And it's something I've been wanting to do for a while is just talk about some things that probably most of us know but maybe some of the newer writers don't know, but, but probably even some of the more experienced writers might not know why we do some of these things that we do. Yeah. So it's just kind of like explaining just some basic cultural things that, you know, as you've, as you've been writing with your Nike team for two, three, four, you kind of start picking up on these things gradually. My hope is that, you know, if you're like new to this, you can listen to this and like not have to take three or four years to learn some of these right. things. And it's not just cultural. Some of these are very practical. Oh, they're too, very practical. I should say. And, and I, I was going to say like a lot of people might do these things culturally, but not really understand the reason, the, the why behind, behind them. So I think it'll be really interesting to the new writer and to Miles Baker as well. So there we go. <laughs> I, in fact, the whole time I was preparing, I was worried about how, how bored Miles would be, but I think it'll be interesting. So yeah, I was going to say, even if you speak bike, it's kind of fun to run over these and be like, oh yeah, that is a thing I do. You know, and, and you, like you said, you may or may not actually understand why. So look, hit me with it. How many do you have just out of curiosity? Well, just, just to be a little OCD, I came up with 10. Mm-hmm. And, um, hit, hit me with number one. What's number one? Okay. So the number one, one has an A, B and C. <laughs> so it really is like 13. The first one is just tires. Okay. Okay. Tires. You should have tires. Tire. I'm like, I've ridden without them before and it was terrible. See, I've, I've, I've actually been on the record for a long time as being pro tire. No. Okay. Let me go. So tires, we, we talked about tires in one of our, one of our first episodes. We talked yeah. a little bit about tires, but a couple of things I want to point out about tires. One is tubeless tires, right? Right. Hopefully everybody listening has tubeless tires by we, now. We have discussed requiring tubeless tires in the past because having kids on your team with tubed tires sucks because every single ride you'll have half an hour of tire changing. And I, I think most people know by now that if you have tubeless tires, you kind of rarely have flats. I remember mm. we used to go on rides before tubeless tires. Yep. And every ride you would go on, at least one person would get a flat and you'd have to stop and repair a tire, mm-hmm. you know, and, and since tubeless tires, it, 
it's pretty rare that you i mean you you pretty much destroy a t- like you it's pretty much if you're riding a really old tire and you're, you're a really sharp rock yeah yeah like and it's and it's how many times did i puncture last year maybe two yeah it's it, maybe yeah. and i ride bikes like every day and I, and i think most people know that tubeless tires are awesome for not getting flats and not yes. getting flats is awesome correct but i don't know that most people know that they're actually faster too no the significant performance benefit and well, let's give people we'll give, pause. Pause. Think to yourself: If you don't know why, would why would those tires be? be faster? And if you're thinking that's that they're lighter, that's true. They're definitely li- and it's rotating weight because yeah, rotating you're just weight. ditching the weight of the tube. But I that's mean, not even really the main. I didn't even benefit. think of that. But that's actually a huge benefit. Is yeah, mm-hmm. you're ditching that weight of the tube, which is yep. outer rotating weight, and the further mm-hmm. out you're rotating weight, the more consequential it is for reasons that neither of us are smart enough to explain gracefully. But I can show you a cool YouTube video on it. Sometime. Right. Okay, but really it has to do with rolling resistance because yes. when you're so when your tire is when you're like in a mountain bike, you're rolling up to a rock, your tire hits the rock, okay? If the tire has poor rolling resistance, it's going to go up and over the rock, which takes a lot of energy right to get up and over and around the rock. If the tire is compliant, it's just going to kind of soak up that rock your momentum is going to keep moving forward and the rock won't slow your inertia down. Right. And, and if some of you are listening to this, like, well, we'll hang on. And what basically what we're saying is you can run tubeless tires at lower pressures. Is, well, is, no, it's not just the lower pressure. It's that you just have the tire and you don't have the tire and the tube combined because when you have the tire and two tube combined, it makes it less compliant. That is true. Like you could, you could run a, t- a tire with a tube at a lower pressure, but it would still have greater rolling resistance because it's not as compliant. I would argue that that benefit is marginal compared to the fact that you can run a tubeless tire at 20 PSI. And if you ran a tube, you could run a tube tire at 20 PSI and it would be less compliant, but you'd also just puncture all the time. If you ran a tube, like a tubed tire at 20 PSI on the mountain, you would puncture every single time you rode. Where like tubeless tires, a lot of folks, I mean, lighter riders can get down to 16, 17, you know, PSI. I run like 21. Yeah. Well, that was the next thing I wanted to get to was just tire tire pressure. pressure. Oh, okay. So, so that's the first thing. If, if you're not on tubeless and I'm, I I highly doubt anyone here is still running tubes, but maybe somebody Mm -hmm. is. Um, If you are still running tubes, uh, switching to tubeless (laughs) is one of the cheapest, most awesome upgrades you can do. And and if you need help, let us know. Like it's, yeah. So yeah, um, the the next thing I want to talk about with tires is tire pressure. Now, old guys like me back in the '90s and you know, and even the early 2000s, like we almost for some reason thought that like the more pressure, the less. I don't know where did where did this where did this thought process go? I I know what you're talking about. I've heard people talk about it before. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I don't know, but we just thought that like more pressure was better in our tires. Right. Like we would typically run them at 30 to 40 pounds. That's insane. To and hear that's, yeah. And, well, and, and it's because people always assume that like higher pressure is more efficient. efficient it's like it rolls yeah. quicker. And that used to kind of be the, the idea on the road is that you run, you know, really, really like the harder the tire. Cause I know well, like think about a train on tracks, you know, like, right. That kind of makes sense. But, but in the real world, it doesn't work. But if the train had a bunch of little rocks and boulders and... Yeah, we're not riding on train tracks. Yeah, we're, we're riding not riding on, on train tracks. And or, even on road bikes, this is a bit... I had to convince people of this all the time when I worked in the bike industry. It was like, no, like, 
it's true that in a lab on a smooth roller testing rolling resistance, the harder is better, but we don't ride on smooth rollers or on train tracks, you know, like riding even on the road on asphalt, just teeny little rocks and teeny little holes in the asphalt Mm. are going to affect your rolling resistance. If you don't have will slow you down a ton, like a ton. So, and I see dads all the time at Nike races. They're like, they've got their, you know, 98 pound kid. Yep. And they're insisting that they pump their tires up to like 28, 25 pounds, mm-hmm. which is a lot lower than we used to at like 30 and 40. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my general rule of thumb with tire pressure is if, is if you're riding off road, you try to keep them out as low as you can get away with safely. Exactly. And, and, and if you're like a 250 pound enduro racer, then yeah, maybe you need to be running like 30 pounds just to prevent your tires from being ripped off the rim or whatever. But for cross country, and those bikes are designed differently for that. You know, yeah. And like in, unless you're a really, really big rider, um, or doing really, really intense riding for cross country for everyone on this team, at least, you know, I mean, maybe there's some folks that would be well served up to 25 in certain conditions and see, but not most of, most of you should be riding about 20 pounds somewhere, you know, plus or minus one or two pounds. Yeah. And I actually put inserts in my tires. They weigh like nothing. Yes. And, and now you can run, I can run them super low and oh, I yeah. love it. And I'm a, you know, I'm like 85 kilos or something. And when we haven't even talked about grip yet, like cornering grip, how much that improves when you're, you know, like that's, that would be the biggest benefit for me for the inserts. Yeah. Like running inserts, I would mostly yeah. do that so that I could get away, you know, like get away with 18 pounds you know, your tire's going to have such a large contact. It's going to, it's interesting because you get lower rolling resistance and a wider contact patch. Yeah. Drew Free actually told me he'd rather have inserts than a dropper post. Wow. Okay. I don't, I don't know if I might disagree with Drew there, who is an infinitely better cyclist than me. I, I might, I might disagree with him, but that just kind of shows like, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah. Um, tire pressure is. Yes. If you have too much pressure in your tires, it's slowing you down. Yeah. So um, hopefully, hopefully people are aware of that. And then we talked, you know, on our on our episode about tires. I don't want to go into this because we could spend forever. We could do this, a whole show about tires. tires. Is that, you know, for cross country racing, which is what we primarily do, you don't need the knobbiest, burliest tires. They no. just they're extra rolling rate. They slow you down. Yes. They have more rolling resistance. They're good for some things, yeah. but they're not good for going fast on, like, no. on a cross country course. That is the lowest hanging fruit as far as speed goes. Yeah. And it's, it's a mistake we see way all the too time. Often. You do not. And like you, you do I, not, you do not need them. I argue people all the time. So I actually went on a, <laughs> I went on a ride with some high school friends, you know, who are more kind of more like trail riders and stuff. We say gravity oriented is the polite term okay. in, in the bike world. <laughs> and you know, I, I show up with my scalpel and I had, I had a fairly new set of Aspens on and one of the guys there is like, Dan, we're going to chip in and get you some real tires. It's funny because Aspens are what? 80 bucks a pop <laughs> as if that's like a cheap tire, you know, and, and everyone else in the group had minions, but I was able to ride everything they were able to ride. And I, you know, I even got through this big long sand section that none of them could ride in their minions, but you know, you, we should say for most mountain bikers at large, bigger gnarlier tires are a good thing um but but for what for the specific application we're doing and for the trails that most of us ride the maxis aspen is way more grip or a similar tire or a similar tire that's my favorite but like and we call it the maxis minion that that is the most popular 
probably most popular mountain bike tire period right now. That is overkill for riding with Maybird. No one on this team for the trails that you're riding with the team will be well served by that. If you have a secondary Unless bike. Unless you want more exercise. That is true. And it's again, you know, it's not just weight. If your group's too stuff. slow for you and you're, you've got all this extra energy, yeah. you could slap on some heavier tires and you'll get a better workout. Now, if, if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, I ride with Maybird, but I don't, I don't race and I'm doing two nights a week with Maybird and the rest, like, fine. You, that's totally fine. For the kids on this team, you should not be running insane, you know, super, super, super gnarly tires. If, if you want to over the winter when you're riding in St. George or something, but even then, like, you know, I, I, I don't think that a bike with less than 100, like 120 mils or less of suspension is ever really going to be well served by a tire like that. There are a few out there that, that you could maybe ride that hard. But, you know, if you're on a Blur or an Epic or a Spark, you probably can't even ride that bike hard enough <laughs> to justify or on the trails where you'd really see a significant benefit from a gnarlier tire like that. Now, I keep I keep hedging because there are people who will disagree with Dan and I on this um, vigorously. I, I think, and to be very clear, for for what we're doing... On this team, you do not need Maxis minions. Yeah, this is yeah great tire. If for for a lot of folks, if you're just riding casually, going to do bobsled or whatever, or riding Deer Valley, excellent tire, great tire. I've ridden them; they're wonderful for that, not for this. So that's yeah. We probably have we just have we just talked about tires for yeah, this we just whole talked about time. We could talk about tires like for way too long. So, um, so tires, tires. That's number yes. one. <laughs> that was number one. Oh, I thought that was at least number one and two. But or was that? I a, said B, number one had an A, B, and C. It's so. like when your math teacher's like, "Hey, the homework only has ten questions, but there's like A through G for all ten, and it ends <laughs> up being like a five-hour thing." Yeah. Okay, so this next one is one I assume most people know, but and it's a little uncomfortable to talk about. Uh oh, I know where we're going. Okay, but if you don't know, it could probably cause some pretty big problems. Oh yeah, and um. It is, you don't wear underwear under your bibs. You do not. Never, ever, ever. ever under ever. any circumstances. It, for the exact same reason you don't wear underwear under your swimsuit. Correct. Yeah. If, yeah. I mean, if you're wearing underwear under your bibs, you're going to get all kinds you're of science, ex- <laughs> science experiments under there. And, um, like, just to be clear, your chamois should touch your skin. Yes. <clears throat> that's what, it, that's, that's what it is designed to do. Yeah. And it, you know, and the chamois are pretty remarkable. What they're able to wick away, and then mm-hmm. um, they're antimicrobial. They reduce and, friction. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're not a pad. They're like I hate it when people are like the point of a chamois is is padding. The point of a chamois is not padding. You know, like you could have a, a real thin chamois that did its job excellently. You know, in fact, like, sometimes the thinner ones the thinner, are more the comfortable. Better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you should dude. really use the thinnest one you can get away with. Exactly. Yeah, you do. And and can I throw out another thing there? And not to embarrass anyone, it's very easy to tell when you're not going commando. If you are wearing underwear with your bibs, people can tell. And that is a mistake. And this isn't like, like you know, you shouldn't wear leg warmers when you're not wearing arm warmers. Kind of like elitist cycling fashion no. garbage. This is like this the is so most you, practical yeah. tip you will ever hear on this show. This will keep you out of the dermatologist office. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have a great dermatologist. I'd recommend him, but you know, like not for this. Don't, do not ever do this. <laughs> There's no asterisk yeah. at the end of don't wear underwear with your chamois. Okay, so hopefully that's really clear. No, Next no underwear under the chamois. Um, along the, the, the A, or I guess the B to this point, is that for bibs to work properly and for chamois to work properly, they have to be fairly tight. Yes. 
So. No, there should not be an inch of, of uh, there should not be an air pocket between uh, between your undercarriage and your chamois. It should, it should, uh, there should be full contact. <laughs> um, your bibs should not be too, bibs being too big might be the biggest comfort mistake you can make when riding bikes. That is unbelievably, un- I would rather bibs with it were too small, I think. Yeah, like, and I think if you can get them on, they're probably not too small. Yep. That might, well, so, yeah, so that was that was number two. Okay. Um, number three is kind of related. I just want to talk really quickly about saddle sores. Okay. No, most beginner riders probably aren't going to get saddle sores because usually it takes a lot of riding to yes. get them. Um, you know, and, and obviously having a good chamois and not wearing underwear, and you, you know, you can have worse than saddle sores if you wear underwear under your chamois. Yeah. But, yeah. The thing about saddle sores is usually it's a sign that you're that you've got an incorrect saddle, or that your seat's too high. Yeah, the bike fit or saddle, or it could be like if you're wearing the Nash Bar Special bib shorts that your dad bought in 1984, like that. You know, if it's a bad chamois, that could be it too. But if you've bought a chamois in the last five years and it's not completely run down, that's probably not. It's probably yeah, it's, your bad it's saddle. Usually, bad, yeah, it's usually you fit. don't have the right saddle for you. And, and like Dan said, not just bad fit, bas- basically saddle too high, saddle too it's low. It's typically saddle too saddle high. Saddle too low probably isn't going to cause. It's usually if your saddle's too high. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you, you know, bike saddles should only be uncomfortable on your sit bones. Yes. And that usually goes away with ex- with time. You yeah. Know? I mean, it might take a few months. Like your sit bones are the only things that should be sore, but it shouldn't be like rubbing skin or, or causing like, yeah. Like your genitals shouldn't hurt is what Dan's dancing around saying. If your genitals hurt after a bike ride, something's wrong. And, and actually just to be clear, like your saddle shouldn't be uncomfortable at all. If you're very new to this and this is your first year, it it'll will be uncomfortable be for a minute. Um, but you should get to a point where you do not think about your saddle. That's how you know the saddle's good is if you never think about yeah, it. Yeah. And if your sit bones are sore, that's just uncomfortable. That'll, that'll come. That'll but if, if softer itself. tissue is sore, there you that's, go. If, if your soft tissues are sore, that's a better. Way that's to say that's it, huh? wrong. That's bad. Yeah, you need so. to either get a new saddle or change the position of your saddle. I should say it's not just that your your seat post is too high. Your saddle's too high. It could also be I've seen people before ride where the nose of their saddle is angled up, like pointing at the sky. That could also cause significant. Yeah. And and also there's the there's like a million different shapes of saddles. Mm-hmm. There's one out there that's going to fit you perfectly. It probably isn't the one that your bike came with. Yeah. And, and I had, it took me for, actually it took me as I, I brought a Santa Cruz, my old Santa Cruz blur test bike home. And I was going to pop the saddle off cause it looked like it wouldn't be comfortable at all. And I was, I was late for a ride or whatever. And I went and I rode it and I still have that exact saddle on my new bike. You know, the yeah, WTG once you find that, the saddle that works, you keep it with mm-hmm. you for the rest of your life. And, the, and the, the cool, fun, easy hack to find that saddle is trial and error. <laughs> I've, I bought like three different saddles cause I was yep. having some problems and, yep. and it, I, you know, you can do all the tricks you can measure, like you can get close, but yeah, you'll, you'll have to do some trial and error, which is unfortunate. So, okay. So along with, well, you know, we were talking about bibs and not wearing old bibs. Another thing I might want to point out too. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. you know I, more you know gross I'm, stuff. Do you know where I'm going with this? I do. Can I say it? Well, let me try to say it. Okay. You try to say it. Okay. Okay. And if I'm not, if you're not blunt clear, enough, you know, I will be blunt. Okay. Okay. You do have to replace bibs before they get transparent. 
Yes. <laughs> oh, I was going somewhere else. Okay. Oh. Okay, you've been guilty of this in the past, Dan. <laughs> yeah, and it's so embarrassing. Someone points out that, yeah. So basically, um, a, a pair of bibs that's too old in the back gets a little bit transparent. It's a little see-through. A little see-through. A little see-through. And if you're riding with a group, um, that's, you know, not doing any favors. You know, I mean, can you imagine just like having to watch someone else's butt crack as you climb Rattlesnake Gulch or something? How demoralizing that would you be. Know, I, apparently people had to see mine. Apparently ones. people had it. It's funny. I think it was just like a big group joke. Like, let's just never tell Dan, you know, that his <laughs> bibs, bibs have a lifespan. Um, and, and I should say on a, le- like a less funny note, like also chamois deteriorate. They get yeah. less effective over time. You know, you can't wear bibs forever. Jerseys, I guess, would work as long as, I mean, eventually you crash them or you rip them or, or something. the pits but, really start to stay or something yeah well yeah <laughs> yeah bibs bibs if if you're if you're like wearing your the bibs you got the first year at Maybird still probably time for new bibs I think bibs probably for a serious rider if, if you have one or two pair of bibs they're probably gonna have a two season lifespan yeah that's that fair yeah that's so um so well back to saddle sores one thing I did want to point out is chamois cream is a thing yes no in theory if things are right if your if your bike fits good and you're on the right saddle and you have a good chamois you should not need sh- chamois cream. chamois cream's a band-aid is the way I it's like kind to of a band-aid it. um but it it's a good band-aid and if yeah. you are having problems you probably it's gonna help yeah but it's it's definitely a band-aid i've actually started using it lately and I just kind of like it on, long, sure. you know, I would say on longer rides, like, it, like for me, like my, or even on the trainer, I especially like it. You well, know, that's I'm, a longer ride. Cause you're, you spend four hours on the trainer for inexplicable reasons that are mostly related to you refusing to go to therapy. Um, no, but like I, like I have, I've in the past, but like, Oh, I've, I've got a six, seven hour ride tomorrow. We're going to do the big century. We're going to do a point to point pre-ride or whatever. I'll maybe, maybe use chamois cream in those times. But like, if you need chamois cream to get through the weeknight Nike ride, something's up, like start figuring out why you shouldn't, you shouldn't need to, something's wrong there. But, but yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, I don't need it to prevent saddle source. I just kind of like it better. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, there we go. I, oh, I actually did just recently discovered there's a difference between the European versions of chamois cream. There, yeah. There, the, is it, is it the mentholated stuff? Yeah, it's like the spicy kind, <clears throat> the sp- spicy chamois cream. I like that. I like the mentholated shampoo even. I, I kind of, I don't know. Maybe, you I'm know, worried. it caught me by, by surprise at first, but I do like it. So. <laughs> like, is this toothpaste? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're not going to go down that road. The other, the other thing I know you might've, you might have this down there, but I, if not, I'm going to put it in here. Um, you cannot wear bibs twice without washing them. No asterisk, no exceptions. Do not ever do that. And they're um, easy to wash and they dry quick. Yep. You know? Oh so, yeah, dude. Yeah. Like you can wash it in the sink. Yeah. Just wash them in the sink. Wash them in the sink. When you get wash done with the ride, wash good. them in the sink, <clears> hang <throat> it up. It'll be dry by the time you need to ride next. Yep. It'll be dry. You put it on the dashboard of your car while you're driving to the ride. It'll be dry enough. Do not ever wear bibs twice without washing them. It is a biohazard. Oh, you know, <laughs> along these lines, like, you know, bring a change of clothes to races and rides. And oh stuff, my gosh. You know? That's the other thing. Like, I, <laughs> like you shouldn't be in your chamois driving home a, from St. George. Yeah. Yeah. At a Nike race for like eight hours. You know? Yeah. Oh my you, gosh. You know, you wear it while you're riding, but don't, they're, they're super uncomfortable if you're not on a bike. They're, yeah. They're designed to be like, I don't even really drive to rides in a chamois. Most of the time I, I try to change. While I, I'm I usually try to change when I get there. I, I do my best to, you know, it's like if it's, if it's comfortable on the bike, it's not going to be comfortable off the bike. If it's comfortable off the bike, it's not 
gonna be comfortable on the bike fun little symmetry there but yeah um i will say like uh the the don't wear it twice without washing thing does apply to everything don't do that with socks don't do that with your jersey but definitely don't do that with your bibs unless you want to have fun and interesting rashes probably don't do that with, with socks either that's probably yeah. a good tip too. Gross this, stuff. This is but getting really unpleasant. No, but here's Let's, the thing. I've been on rides with people who obviously are on day two with the bibs and that sucks. Don't do that to your own body or anybody else you're going to be riding with. Okay, okay. Next point. So next point's a little more pleasant. <laughs> okay. So, so saddle height. Yes. Big deal. Yes. So I see, I see kids get this wrong <laughs> in both directions yep. and, and it's, it's bad in both directions. Like, so should we talk about both sides of the coin? Yeah. So like, like I've been riding with kids where they just, their legs are hurting. They just can't put any power down and their seats just like two inches too low. Yep. You raise up their seat. It makes like Boom. a world of difference. Yeah. Boom. They could, they could bump up from, you know, one racing division to the next. Just yeah, by doing it that. can move them up 20 places. You know, yeah, it's a seriously. Huge, yeah. huge deal. It shouldn't be too low, but then kids discover, wow, if, some is good, then more is better. More is better. Certain, and yeah. so like, I see like these Nike kids they are on their tiptoes. Their, their saddles up in the stratosphere. Yeah. You know? They're yeah. on their tiptoes trying to pedal. And that, that's not right either. No. You know, and, and it's bad for like bike handling. It puts your saddle in way too high of a position. You're, you know, you're just not sitting on the bike where you're designed to be sitting on the bike. And it's, it's not good for your calf muscles either. I mean, it's really fatiguing to have your toes pointed that acutely. Like this sounds stupid. Like your saddle needs to be in the right position. Like so many things, you know, (laughs) you know, and it's, and here's the thing. It's not like finding the middle. It's finding the right position. And it's, it's a, it's a very small margin of error where the right saddle. I could move your saddle down on any of your bikes a millimeter and you would probably notice. If you moved it like, well, let's say even a centimeter. If you moved my saddle (laughs) a centimeter. I wouldn't go on the ride. <laughs> it would ruin my ride and it wouldn't be fun. Like, yeah, which sounds crazy, but like that's how serious. And, and we're not, this isn't us being anal. This is like, this is extremely practical. You know, like your, um, your body was not designed to be on a bicycle. We did not evolve with bicycles underneath us. Bicycles are mm-hmm. a recent human invention. Um, uh, uh, you know, if, if you don't get it right, it's, it's going to be a bad time or you just have no power. That's the other thing. You know, if your saddle's in the wrong spot, you know, like if you're borrowing someone else's bike, that's not good. That's never good. Well, you know, and they, they say, you know, if the front of your knees hurting it, your saddle's possibly too low. There's other things too. Yeah. But, um, if the back of your knees hurting, it might be too high. And obviously well, cause for me, I always saw that like, like, you know, just random person off the street gets on a bike. The saddle is too low universally. Right. You know, you see people, um, riding their bike to work or whatever. And they're like, you know, their, their knees are touching their nipples, you know, like it's like, I thought alliteration was fun. Um, you know, like it's, that's a, that's bad. And so I've kind of figured like, Oh, serious bike riders have their seat really high. And I think a lot of kids have kind of done that too. And then you're like, Oh, if I move my seat low, that's not pro, you know, like your seat should be in the correct position. And so, um, Bike fits pretty complicated and well, pretty, it's extremely complicated. Almost rocket science. It's almost rocket science. (laughs) But here, this little trick, I've been using it for a long time. And the the interesting thing is we went with Bo Foreman. We went through and did some like some bike fit training. that was just fascinating. And in his formula for saddle height and this little trick came out really pretty close, like surprisingly close, you know, that because I'm not smart enough to always do his way this way still gets kids close. And so I'll try to describe it 
and through the magic of podcasting, you can picture this in your heads. Okay. Um, you, you know, you'll be support on your bike. You'll be sitting on your bike in, in a comfortable position where you would normally sit. And then you will put one leg down. So your cranks all the way down and you have a leg that's straight, no bending. If your heel can come in contact with your pedal in that position, so like the, the heel of your foot comes in contact with your pedal with a straight leg, that's about the right seat height. If, if you can't touch the pedal with the heel of your foot, then your seat's too high. And with that crank at six o'clock, right? Yeah. Like the pedal the, is far the down in the rotation. The pedal is as far as down can. as it can go. Okay. And your leg is straight. It's like your knee's locked. Your pedal should just come in contact with your heel. Because then by the time you move to the ball of your foot, right. that changes the angles of everything. Yeah. And you'll know it's right because when you're pedaling, your feet are going to be perfectly level, like perfectly flat and level the whole time it's going around. Like you're not pointing your toes down and right. you're not pointing your toes up. up. Yeah. Your foot's level and, and um, kind of tangential to the tangential, tangential, not tangential. <laughs> I'm not cutting that, <laughs> making that my ringtone. Um, tangential is the word Dan is was looking say, for. Okay. Yes, that is. Okay, well, that's good enough. Tan tangential. That's like yeah. a European thing. <laughs> Cut to a beach in France. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all the children who listen to this. Carry on, Dan. So your foot forms a tangent to the circle Correct. that your pedals okay. create. Okay. Um, but if you're pointing your toes down or or up, your seat post isn't right. Another thing, too, is if your hips are rocking. To If you have to lower your hips to be able yeah. to complete the pedal. Stroke. A significant amount of hip rocking, I'd say. There will, be, there will always be some. Mm. A little bit. Yeah, that mm. a little bit doesn't necessarily mean that your seat's in the wrong position. Your hips shouldn't rock. Your hips shouldn't rock. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Can we do this podcast anymore? Did I just like kill this podcast? I don't know if I can go back and be serious now. I need like like a week to reset. Okay. Don't worry, we're halfway through. <laughs> Woo! I might we might move part B of this podcast to to another I'm, week. I've got like a month worth of podcasts lined up. This, this is good. great. Yeah. I was going to say, you're talking, I'm like, I don't know if we'll have time for this. This is all. You yeah. Know. This No, this is. I like now. to talk too much. Okay. okay. Carry on. So satellite. So number five, this one, we've talked about it before, um, but it's just, just a super important principle that I, I think seems a little foreign to most mm -hmm. new riders. And that's like, that's recovery. You don't like when you when you're exercising when you're training that doesn't make you faster that actually makes you more tired that does damage you actually get faster when you take time off and you rest and recover the favorite metaphor here is that like you know you go to work to make money but you don't get that money in your bank account until you cash your check I guess if you're listening to this and you're too young to remember cashing checks you know like you 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 get faster when you get paid not when you're at work right yeah yeah, yeah. you get faster yeah so well I messed it up. <laughs> you get faster when you, you do recover. get faster when you recovery get is recovery is when the money goes into your bank account yeah gosh wow so so yeah. make sure you're at least you know but you have to recover from something right yeah yeah you know just laying around all the time doesn't make you faster unless you've done some hard work preceding that right so there we go um okay that try one. not to slow you down I'm, I'm doing my best here <laughs> no we're good we got we're good. i think we'll just do this stuff and do the okay this cool okay the dr ross stuff another week yeah. so 
Okay. All right. Um, okay. So the next one, number six, is is lube, lubing your bike. Yes. How often should you lube your bike? Every ride. Every single ride. How often should you lube your mountain bike? Every ride. Okay. Yeah. I don't think you need to be lubing your road chain every single time. But yeah, you should you should be cleaning and lubing, not lubing on top of dirt. You should be cleaning and lubing your mountain bike every time you ride. Yeah, I. It's amazing how much wattage and power is lost through a dry, squeaky chain. Oh my gosh. And how many times you go to Nike races? I know, I know, I, I hate to pick on Nike races, but like, um, you know, kids is like un, un, inexperienced people showing up with, with like a dirty chain on a $12,000 bike. I see it all the time. You know, you can hear them coming from a mile away <laughs> and they're probably losing like 10 or 20 watts. You yeah, know. it's it's shocking how much power is, you can lose. It's like the, shocking. If, yeah. yeah, if you can hear your chain, it's slowing you down. Like, oh yeah, I bring lube with me on every ride. Yeah, I have a little, especially teeny, long rides. Yeah. Well, especially long rides, mm-hmm. and I have a teeny little thing of lube and a teeny little rag. And yep. once I can start hearing my chain, I'll just clean it off, lube it, and not only does it actually make you ride fat, it's just psychologically. Oh yeah. Like when your oh, bike yeah. makes noises, it just kind of takes some of the fun out of it. Yeah. But. No, it's, I'm, uh, should we just cleaning? I don't think you have to do like a deep clean on your bike every time, but like, and this is kind of cultural too. Like don't show up to a ride on a filthy bike. Like your, your bike is a, is a wonderful machine and you should respect it. You know, yeah, you should I clean it. Like I rarely detail my bike, Yeah, but I clean it pretty much every time. Yeah, like right? detailing a mountain bike is kind of pointless, but you should, it should be clean. You yeah. know, like what's that saying with a house that your, your, your kitchen doesn't need to be, it should be tidy, not clean. Have I heard that? Am I, am I? No, like what, what is it like should be clean enough that it's safe or something yeah and, and it's like and it's not just like it like looks bad and makes you look like a noob it's it's also that like um like your bike especially a full suspension bike won't work well if it's dirty you know um and of course it's it's a mountain bike it will get dirty but like you you should like what i do i will just like hose off my bike really quick before it's a ride. so easy to hose it off right after a ride but if you let it yeah cure if you let the mud mm-hmm. and whatever cure yeah it's really hard so like as soon as you get done with the ride just hose it off hose it off real quick garage, put right? it in the garage and then or if you need to like hose it off and then throw it on your rack and while you drive it'll dry you know like i've i've done that in a pinch too you know but like and, and again not every ride but at least every other ride i think you should be hosing your bike down and cleaning it up a little bit and the other thing is mud's heavy Oh, that's true. Mud's, mud's super really heavy. heavy. Mud. I bet. I bet there are not there. There are kids running around with like with five the, pounds of mud on their bike. You with, you could easily have multiple pounds of mud on your. Bike. Oh yeah, yeah. It's this is like this is again not marginal. This is like measurable amounts of weight and speed. I guess you. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think. So I think everyone's in favor of lubing their bikes. I, I just, yes. I think a lot of people just don't realize how frequently you should yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, and we, there's different techniques on how to do it and it kind of depends on what type of lube you do, but yeah. basically yeah, just clean it and lube it and it's wipe, not. wipe the chain, lube it, wipe it again. Yeah. That simple. Just do it. Okay. This next one I think is going to be interesting. And Ooh. Okay. Okay. All right. Why do cyclists shave their legs? <gasps> Can I take this one? I've shaved my legs almost every single day since I was in 10th grade. <laughs> uh, I shave my, my, I shave my legs a lot more than my fiance does. Um, you know, uh, so, so shaving legs is interesting. Cause like I've been dropped by a lot of writers with hairy legs. 
there are a lot of really good riders with hairy legs, but <laughs> um, shaving your legs, there is an argument that it makes you faster. You can point to some data that especially on the road, it makes you faster. It is. Can, sig- I, can I point out that data real quick? Yeah. Oh, actually, do you have it to oh, hand? I do, yes. Oh, give me numbers, Dan. How much okay. faster? So, so specialized in their wind tunnel test. Yes. Okay, so they had they had the multiple riders that they tested in the wind tunnel. They 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 came up with a scale. They call it the Chewbacca scale. Oh, nice. Isn't that nice? <laughs> okay. And and you know someone that's a ten is going to be extremely hairy. Right. Um, someone with a six is probably about like most people. Probably average. Yeah, the probably average, average. The average guy. Okay. So so. In a 40K time trial, 40K TT, which, okay. how long do those usually take to come, like... I mean, it depends on who you are. You know, for a professional rider? Yeah. 20 minutes. I don't know. Okay, yeah. So that's... <laughs> really fast. No, that's probably, pretty fast. It's not probably not that, yeah. It depends okay. on, yeah. Depends so on... So 20, 30-minute ride that's, that's, that's fairly fast. Right. You know. Okay. A, a rider that's a six on the Chewbacca scale, shaving this rider's legs will save a minute and a half. Whoa. A minute and a half on a 40K TT. The average for the, the the group that they tested was 70 seconds. That's crazy. That's a lot of time, actually. And they said it's, it was, they had an, like, it's equivalent to switching from an aero bike to a regular bar bike. Regular tubed bike. Okay, tube bike, whatever. Yeah. Interesting, but it, it, it's funny because you give me that. That's not why I shave my legs, though. Because like, on the, we're not going that. We're not going fast enough on a mountain bike. But you know what? It like, is there. It, it does. I mean, it's similar to like wearing tight clothing. Like yeah, because because like the tight kits that we wear. Actually, you know, if it's windy or we're going on something flat, oh, yeah. we're going. It, it makes a difference. Oh yeah, for no, sure. No arrow does. We should do a, how how much does arrow? I am actually. I want to do an entire episode on arrow. Okay, but. But leg shaving is actually more important than people think. Yeah. No, it's in a mountain bike race, it's not going to save you a minute and a half like no. it would in a time trial. But it definitely could save something s- s- over like a, over an hour and a half long mountain bike race. It saves measurable seconds. Yeah. It may, yeah. Thirty seconds and thirty seconds. That's that's that, the podium. Yeah, that takes a lot of extra fitness to. Yeah, that's a podium in a lot of races. A whole podium could be thirty seconds apart. But I'll say, like, I don't, I don't really do it for the speed. I do it because it feels better. Is like the most, you know, succinct answer I can come up with. Like bibs feel so much better with shaved legs. And I'm not just saying just like shaved legs, but like we say, hamster shorts is where you shave um, everything below. Like basically everything you can see is is shaving that is is having hamster shorts where the upper part of your leg. Um, is showing and it's like and it depends too because like you don't shave your legs but it looks like you do because you have I like, do shave them oh do you now yeah okay all right that was always my joke is Dan doesn't actually shave his legs no, just doesn't have leg hair but um, I'm not a very hairy person but. yeah and and the other thing is like and this is I'm probably like a two on the Chewbacca scale <laughs> we're probably a one yeah well yeah um, the other thing to throw out is it just looks better and it sounds weird saying that but like it it makes you look more professional well, I think it makes your muscles look more defined sure. Um, but you know, there's also like wound care is easier with, yeah. you know, there's, there's that reason. Um, the pros, one of the say it's partly for massage, I guess massage. Yeah. Oh, I mean, none of us are hiring. Yeah. I don't think that's a huge concern to you, you know, but I would say probably the biggest thing is this kind of helps you look the part. Yeah. You know? But, but it is practical too. I want to emphasize, it's not like getting a tattoo that says I am a cyclist. Like 
it, it is way more comfortable. Like if my legs are getting hairy or stubbly, if it's been two or three, for me, two or three days since I've shaved, um, it, it sucks. Yeah, it I guess the, the hair on the legs um, actually creates like air turbulence. Oh yeah. And um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, and like, aren't, and it's the, the angle that the legs approach the mm-hmm. air versus like your arms or versus like, mm-hmm. cause, cause beards don't really slow people down or. Arm, yeah. I've, I actually read something about that, that like yeah, the like beard arm, isn't, arm isn't a huge deal. Arm a huge hair deal. doesn't really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and the other thing is like, like if, if you're a guy and you're, and you're new to shaving your legs, like first off, if you feel like it makes you less of a man, it doesn't. If your only attachment to your masculinity is your leg hair, then you're not very masculine. But, you know, this isn't something people have to do their first year. Like, no, know, no, no. But it's, I, I, it's I, a pretty marginal gain. Well, very marginal gain. Yeah. But I, I throw out like, like I, I sh- it takes me probably two minutes to shave my legs in the shower. Just do it. So <laughs> another interesting thing too on the side is, so, so legs are a lot more slippery through the air than, than hairy legs. But socks. Shaved legs. Not shaved just legs. Legs are. <laughs> okay, sorry. Shaved legs. Whoa. But. <laughs> But the interesting thing is socks are actually more aerodynamic than shaved legs. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's Which why is I like just my, but it's, I guess it's like in the principle of like a golf ball. Yes. Pivot, you know, it kind of mm-hmm. creates this air pocket. So there's less drag behind the, mm-hmm. uh, but like dimple. Can I throw it really quick? This is super nerdy. Um, there were people who protested a few years ago. Team Sky wore dimpled aero suits and the UCI basically, I think they made it illegal after that because it sped them up so much. Yeah. Um, if you want to go fast on a time trial bike where aero really matters the most, you wear like long sleeves. Oh, and actually just this weekend, a guy was wearing at, uh, I think it was it was either Kona Brussels, Kona or Amlup at Newsblad, a guy was wearing aero leg warmers that people are upset about. They think they should be banned. Oh, yeah, so much. You have a Taco Vanderhorn from the Intermarche team was wearing like some kind of special aero leg warmers. Like, Yeah, I want to do like a whole... Talk, like aerodynamics is fascinating yeah. it's very scientific yeah. and it's not as important with mountain biking but it still is it's, definitely, it's there it's it's, it's, it's gonna, a thing it's worth thinking about yeah it's, it's, it's gonna a, get it's you, marginal it's very marginal it's only we were only talking seconds probably but but that's seconds how man. many yeah how many times you become 10 seconds behind somebody right yeah. oh i'd throw it too on socks i know we talked about this before I'm going to say it again. Wear like cycling specific socks. Don't wear target Hanes. It's worth investing in a good pair or two of cycling socks that are thin. And then also for like for fashion sake, uh, ankle socks are not it fashion wise. I can't give you like a real practical reason, but like if you want to look, we can use the aerodynamic reason. That's an excuse. Really? If you want to just maximize fashion points, I think your socks should come up to just like just below where your calf starts. That's all I'll say. Carry on. Okay. All right. Well, so here's the next one. Um, why do cross-country racers wear road helmets? That's an interesting one. I mean, like, I don't think there's a great practical reason. Well, there are actually, <laughs> there are actually a few. Well, okay, but not like a huge one. Because you never see like Nino or Kate Courtney in, a, in an actual cross-country race, you know, with a helmet that goes halfway down their neck and a big, huge visor yeah. or anything. Yeah. And but some of the reasons, well, one is is road helmets so are lighter. lighter. Yeah. Light, yeah. more breathable, usually lighter, more breathable. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they're more aerodynamic, which you've noticed. And I'm sorry to go back to aerodynamics here in the cross, uh, the short track races. Have you noticed they've started to wear long sleeves, aero helmets? Like, have you noticed that? Like, the Cannondale guys definitely have. I've seen some other teams where their, their riders are showing up and like, in arrow. In arrow. Um, and you know what, man? 
in a short race like that, if pro teams are doing it, it makes a difference even in a short race. They'll have race. like the Epic Venge or something. The Epic, oh, please don't suggest. Someone from Specialized just like started designing that and it's going to be <laughs> 50. I ride a Specialized now so I can knock them. Um, yeah, that'll be like $18,000, you know, like two seconds quicker over an XCO race. You know, and another thing too is like trail bikes are designed to be ridden more upright where a visor is going to be more beneficial. Yep. When you're more in an XC position, mm. the visor's blocking a lot of your field of view. If you're in a position that maximizes your pedaling power, a, a visor will frequently, maybe even usually, be in the way, depending on who you are. Yeah, so that's why cross-country racers wear road helmets, and we don't really wear the typical trail typical, helmets. T- typical. 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 That's not as bad as your earlier slip-up. Um, <laughs> the typical kind of... And, and the other thing, and I'll just throw out... And I'm just... I'll be up. It's fashion... You know, like it looks less pro. I've had plenty of people in visored helmets just completely destroy me on, you know, in races yeah, or whatever. But is, you don't have to. It, I think you should. I, I you mean, know. this might be like one and a, like a half of a second on a 30 mile race. It's like really. I don't sick. know. But look, the, the other thing is like visors, I don't think. Sometimes, like a visor would be nice if you're riding right into the evening sun. My counter argument is like, why not? I really don't think visors do that much. They, they do not protect your face. I've heard people say that before. I've, I've crashed the visor helmets off. Do you know what that visor does? It snaps off immediately. You yeah, they're cannot, designed to snap off. Yeah. They're, like you said, they're designed to, because that'd be kind of a risk. It was like, yeah. you know. If it, yeah, it, it caught it, your neck. and it, yeah. yeah. Show me some data that says it, it protects you more. Road helmets are just as safe. And if you're a parent listening to this and you're like, oh, but you know, I want to burly your helmet. or Like all the helmets pass the same crash regulations until you get to downhill stuff which passes motocross regulations interestingly enough yeah yeah so we've only got two more to talk about they're going to be super fast how are we doing on time (laughs) hour and one minute this is wow this is my fault though because i just have to belabor everything and go so far into it and yeah how how stoked do you think people would be if you just started doing this podcast on your own oh no they would yeah it'd be pretty boring it'd be more to the point but i guess it would be boring yeah sorry carry on i just wasted more time so so in this one, we talked about a lot in just maybe like the last podcast we did or maybe the one before that. Mm-hmm. Um, just just clipless pedals are better for cross-country racing and clipless I'd shoes. Say, I'd say mountain biking at large, but yeah. so definitely for cross-country. If, yeah, and we talked about this in pretty great detail just recently, but, you know, if this is your first season you know, go, go for it. Use the flat pedals. If it's your second season, start trying to think about getting some clipless pedals this year. It will make you faster period. And again, if you're worried, your brain makes the transition to them in, in, in two rides or less. And then once you're used to them, it'll freak you out. You'll like, I get scared to death riding flat pedals. I don't yeah. know how people do it. It's no, I could have a, I could have a debate with somebody where I'm like, okay, I respectfully disagree, but fine. You, you might be better off using flats on trail or enduro or whatever kind of riding. Um, there is not a respectable argument for doing it in cross country racing. It will slow you down. It is quite worse. A bit. And again, it's like, it's not, it's unrealistic to expect people to like, Oh, my first bike ride, I'm on clipless. I understand. And I, I, you remember I, I held out for way too long. I, as a beginner, I was really hesitant to go to clipless, but, um, yeah, there's no argument. There's not a good argument for it in cross-country racing. Yeah. And the last one is if you're not on Strava, get on Strava. Yep. Um, and join the Maybird Strava Club. Yep. I always go through the Stra- the Maybird Strava Club and just see what all the Maybird riders are doing. 
Um, sometimes that's like the only place I go is just to the Maybird Club to mm-hmm. kind of check out who's who's been writing. So, um, so if you're not on Strava, get on Strava. I think I think it's super important to have a record of your training. So if, mm-hmm. if something's going wrong, you know, a, a coach could kind of go back and look and see how much you're riding versus how much you're resting or, you know, like I usually in my Strava too, I like to just kind of put in my comments that like, wow, that felt good or wow, that felt like crap or something. And you can just kind of go back and look and see how you're doing. At least you have some record of how much you're riding, how many hours you ride. And you know, if you want to take it to the next step, you're going to go to like a training peaks or something that's a little more mm-hmm. nerdy. And yeah, but Strava is just more fun and it's going to keep track of like a lot of, well, it's also good to know, like, like make sure like, Oh, I've only been riding for 45 minutes. I have those all the time where I'm like, Oh, I've only ridden eight miles. I'm like, I can, I, I should ride farther. You know, like I've got time, you know, it's nice to know how far you've got. If you don't have a bike computer yet, cause Strava is still a free app. A lot of the features have been paywalled in the past year or two, which is fine. I, I, I get it. You most know. of those features you don't really need. Yeah, like the leaderboards thing. I think that's fun too. I mean, I think that can be motivational for a certain type of person. I think it's interesting, um, but that's not. That's probably not the, main. the most important thing. I think is that you can kind of compare how you're doing with yourself. Yeah. You oh know, yeah. You can you can you can go on a ride and see that you're getting a bunch of PRs, but you weren't trying that hard. That means you're getting faster. You know? And I can see. I look at the same segment, and the most useful ones are the segments you ride all the time, like your local, your usual loop that you're riding, and you just kind of look at how that ebbs. And like I have probably what six or seven years of Strava data now on Shoreline or on the roads by wherever I'm living or wherever, and you can kind of look and see my fitness has ebbed and flowed. And there were some years where I was a lot slower, and this year my times have been a lot faster, you know? Um, yeah, get on Strava. I don't, I don't know. Would you, do you pay for premium Strava right now? You know, I do. Cause I do. I do. I don't really use a lot of the premium features. Yeah. It was more just, I really like Strava and I don't want them to go away. So I felt like that's a thing. You know, I just felt like showing them. It's an love, X. I, I feel okay paying for it. And the same yeah. way, like I feel cool paying for trail forks. Yeah. I don't mind paying for trail. Forks. Please get trail forks too. Even if you don't pay for the premium version, that's like safety wise. I like people having that because if you yeah. get separated from a group or something, um, Trail Forks and I think Trail Forks and Strava, you should have both of those. If you don't have them, for go sure. download them and then consider paying for the full version if you can. I think the full, it's like super cheap. It's so worth it. Yeah. The Trail Forks, the Strava one was a little expensive. Yeah. Strava one's a little expensive. I, I could go either way. I really like the leaderboard function, which is mostly what I pay I for. I don't like to see where I'm at on the leaderboard because it's usually not very high. No, I know. But I think I just, I like, I like the numbers and the data and stuff, but yeah, at, at a minimum, have and use Strava and have and know how to use Trail Forks. I don't use Trail Forks every ride, but I use it frequently. So I'm guessing we probably don't want to go onto the Dr. Ross stuff, right? Where we yeah, are. we're an hour and six minutes. I so think. Can I just talk real quick about something I thought about while I was whiffing yesterday? I think you're going to. Okay. Which is kind of related to the, what we were just talking about Strava and how you can, you know, you can kind of look at your PRs and compare segments with yeah. previous years. But, um, so, and, and this will probably be the last thing I talk about. Hopefully you liked that list. Hopefully it was useful. Hopefully yeah. it didn't come across too snobby or anything. It's just supposed to be kind of fun. Just good things to know. Um, but so, so I did a, a really long Zwift ride yesterday. I just did like this flat loop. I had a certain amount of mileage I was trying to get in one day. It was my goal because I'm sick of winter. Yep. And so I was just doing this really flat route over and over again. It was this loop that, I don't know probably takes like 15, 20 minutes per loop. And 
when I would go through the loop, like Zwift would have this like this ghost looking mm -hmm. cyclist show up. Yeah. And at first I didn't realize what that was, you know. Yeah. And it turns out that that was actually me. Yeah. And it was like I guess my previous best. Yes. Your your 90 day best. Your 90 day best mm -hmm. that you're supposed to try and keep up with on that on that set. and and so I saw this like previous 90 day best and and I started riding with it for a while and then I'm like I'm going to beat this, you know. This is Yeah. And so I started beating my night and in a way I just thought that was just almost like an example of how this really should be done. Yeah. You know, it's like all of a sudden I didn't really care about the other Zwifters that I could see on my screen. You know, all I really cared about was like this ghost looking rider that I was trying to keep up with, which was actually just me and my previous best, which mm -hmm. is really kind of what we're trying to do. You know, we're really just trying to become the best that we can be, not really worry about those other riders and just focus on becoming better and improving. And I just thought it was a good example of really how this should all be done. So yeah, I just kind of want to throw that out. It's a little bit unrelated to what we were talking about earlier. I just thought that was kind of cool, cool little thing that I thought about while I was writing. So yeah, if you're gonna get dropped by someone, it may as well be you, right? Yeah. It doesn't feel as bad. No, not well. Sometimes it can feel way worse depending on, you know, that's true. Yeah. I've been chasing my, I had a really good Alpha Zwift time a few weeks ago, which is, if you're not familiar on Zwift is, what used to, I think there's a bigger climb up. It's kind of the big, the big long hour-ish long climb on Zwift. Like if you're going fast, it's around an hour. Um, <laughs> and I've been, I've been trying to keep up with it as long as I can. And I'm like, I only said it, you know, a few weeks ago um, when I was feeling really good and fresh. And, when your power meter was off. Oh, Dan, I got on your bike. I showed you. I said, do the same numbers, man. Dan, Dan's a sore loser. He, he seems too nice on the outside, but he's really a bitter, <laughs> bitter man. Um, but yeah, I was kind of thinking, I was actually kind of thinking about this too, a little bit like, that's kind of cool. Like, I mean, I was like, look, look how fast I was. I did that. You know, like I'm getting dropped by, like getting dropped by yourself can either be super encouraging or super discouraging, I guess. Like knowing what you're capable of, but then maybe. So yeah, yesterday I was like faster than my previous self. So that actually felt pretty good. Yeah. But I guess the other way around could be a little discouraging. Yeah. Well, I could see it either way. Cause it's like, I'm like, Hey, look, just a few weeks ago I was doing this. I'll be fine. You know, like yeah. I, I think it depends on, yeah. Anyway, we probably better, we're at hour, hour 10. Yeah. We better, we better wrap it up. Wrap it up. Do you have a magic word for the day? I don't know. I don't. How about shoelace? Shoelace. If you feel like texting me the magic word, do. I don't know. There's no like that kind of, there's no, that, that loop doesn't really end. It's just kind of like, just do that for reasons. I don't know. Um, yeah, as, as always, if you have any questions, please, please send questions our way. Um, if you don't have my, I think the easiest, let's have them, let's have them emailed to maybirdcycling at Gmail from now on. That's probably easier than having people text me. Email maybirdcycling at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any questions, any, uh, potential quiz questions for Dan, we'll take those too. Uh, anything you want to go over on the podcast or questions we follow up, we'll get you answers. Um, yeah, that's all. So uh, we'll talk to you a week from now. Everyone get out and ride. Coaches, do something with your kids if you can. Email us and uh, uh, shoelace. <laughs>